If you turn to Ephesians 6, and we'll pick up, finish the rest of the, the chapter. And, and this final piece, this final very important piece, very important offensive piece of our armor, the final, final piece, and that is the place of prayer in our lives. And, and can I say to you as we begin this study this morning, I think that this is one of those areas that we as a church fail to utilize a weapon that's at our disposal, that we do not use the power of prayer as we ought to. And that very often that deficiency shows up in, in the very substance of our lives in Christ. And so as we look at this picture, I would begin this way by explaining to you, in the modern battlefield, one of the things that we learned in Operation Desert Storm, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, the, these new wars that were uh, the first of their kind ever fought, we began to use precision-guided weapons. And those precision-guided weapons require several different components. One of them is a GPS locating system that happens with satellites. But more importantly, we, we began to use what's called a laser target designator. And that laser target designator is actually by a, controlled by a special operations forces, normally officer on the ground in the battlefield. And an officer would take that laser designating tool, and as the planes are circling overhead, as the satellites are whirling around the earth, as the coordinates are given as to where they be attacked, for the first time ever in human history, in the, in the history of warfare, we were able to fly cruise missiles right down streets and put them into exactly the window of one building. And the reason we could do that is because there was somebody, a very brave person on the ground, someplace in the general vicinity with that laser targeted on exactly where that missile was supposed to go to get the bad guys. Can I tell you that that is a perfect picture of your prayer life? You have heavenly resources available You have the power of the true and the living God available to you. You have the same God that created the heavens and the earth. You have the same power of the Holy Spirit. And God is waiting for you to designate exactly where you would like to see that power applied. It's called prayer. And so this morning, as we look at the final piece, do not underestimate, brothers and sisters, the power of prayer. Amen? Pick up with me, if you would, and we'll begin in verse 18 here in Ephesians 6. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. Do you notice the word all repeated there? The reason that it's used so many times in that single sentence is to remind us that prayer is an essential. It's a necessity in the body of Christ. It's not an option. And are we not so lame at times in our prayer lives? We pray when things go wrong. We pray when things are messed up. We pray when we need something from God. That's not the picture we get here with this weapon. It's supposed to be wielded at all times, in all things and for all reasons. Do you get it? It's not you just pray about the, you know, the big things in life. You need to pray about the small things in life. It's not that you pray about just for those people that you like and love, but are you praying for your enemies? Are you asking God 
to send holy resources to that area that you have identified. God gives you the privilege to do that. He says, look, you have a tool. Use it. And for me, Paul says in verse 19 of Ephesians 6, that utterance may be given to me. And here's the reason, folks, that you've been left on this earth. That Paul was in prison. Because were it not for this specific reason, there really is no reason to leave the church here. We should all get saved, go home. That would be kind of nice. I mean, I've got to admit, come to Jesus, go see him. That would be a really, really wonderful thing for us, but not so good for the world that we live in. And so notice the task that lies ahead for you, for me, for the church. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen? The whole purpose for God leaving us here is for the proclamation of the gospel. Amen? We are to live gospel lives. We are to pray gospel prayers. We are to be engaged in the work of the gospel while we're here. Of course, there's all kinds of other components of our lives. But the chief purpose for which God's people have been left on this earth, once we've come to Christ, is so that other people could get what we have. Amen? We want people saved. It's God's business to save people's lives. He goes after lost sheep. Amen? He uses you to do it. Me to do it. Us to do it the church to do it. And he does it in a way that allows us to say, look, that person that lives on my street, I'm going to pray for them until they come to Jesus. That person that you know at work and you don't even like them, much less love them, you pray for them. They come to Jesus, then not only do they like you, they love you. You see, we have a purpose like Paul had a purpose. And see this with me, for which I am an ambassador in change. The reason Paul was in prison in the first place is because he was preaching the gospel. That's why he ended up there. So important was the proclamation of the gospel that Paul was willing to risk anything, including losing his freedom. Oh, that the church would become that alive today. That we would say within our hearts that nothing matters more than seeing people come to Christ. We are so consumed in our consumerism that we forget often why it is we're actually here. People are dying. They're perishing. And they're not just perishing from this earth. They're not just returning to dust. They are losing their lives eternally without Christ. We need to target some resources so that they might be saved. And notice he repeats, really, that I may speak boldly, as I, check this out, ought to speak. That's why the apostle had already said to the Roman church, it is my reasonable service that I should give my life a living sacrifice. So this final piece of the armor, targeting exactly where those resources need to go. There's a wonderful picture. It's found, you can mark it, you can read the whole passage later, but it's found in Exodus chapter 17. It is a story that's familiar to many of you. It's a story of Moses and Joshua and their dreaded enemy, uh, the king of the, of the Amorites, the, the 
people there in Redfim, uh, Amalek, their king, is going to come against the children of Israel, and Moses is going to fight them. But there's an interesting thing that happens. Moses is tremendous at getting resources, and, and notice that there's a combination of a couple of things that are happening here. And, and it's not just one thing for the sake of the other, it's both things used simultaneously. And it says in verse 8 of Exodus 17, And now Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephaim. And, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out and fight Amalek. And tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with a rod, with the rod of God in my hand. And the, that rod was a picture of prayer. He's going to begin interceding for this war that's going on in the valley. Now, you can think what you want. Maybe Moses was trying to get out of the actual fight. No, that's not what he was doing. He knew his place in the kingdom. And he was about to intercede for Joshua as he was in the valley. You see, it took both the sword of the Spirit, it took the Word of God, it took the battling, and it also took the power of prayer. And the rest of the story goes this way. As long as the... The staff was over Moses' head. They prevailed. Have you ever thought that it is actually your prayer life that's enabling someone else to succeed in what God has called them to do and be? Have you ever thought that your prayer life is so important that maybe the war that's waging right now for the souls of somebody you know, some people you know, maybe a nation that we all know, have you ever wondered whether God is waiting for you to faithfully hold the staff of prayer and keep it up there until the victory is won. The importance of prayer. Are we waging the war of prayer? And I can tell you, we're, we're not as effective as I believe we could be. And I want you to see prayer for what it is. You know, many people kind of have this, this wrong impression that prayer is a position. Prayer is not a position. It's not you're necessarily on your knees with your hands clasped and your head bowed. Prayer is you communicating to God in a way that brings his resources because we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. Please come tonight. We're in the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. It is to bring Heaven to earth. Amen? It, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're laser target designating the resources of heaven to this earth. And we do it in prayer. And we do that four basic ways. And there are more, by the way. But four basic ways. My normal method of prayer is very much like the speakerphone function on your cell phone. I just punch God up and I leave it on speakerphone and while I'm doing whatever I'm doing, I'm talking to God. Now, if you happen to do this out loud while you're in the store, people will think you're a little, maybe not okay. But I'm just talking to God. It's like, Lord, I, you know, I really don't know what you want to do in that situation. Father, could you help me with this? Because I'm lacking some mental ability to understand the situation. I need you to speak into my life. I'm literally talking like I would talk with a friend. I'm just talking to God. That's a great method of prayer, but it's not the only method of prayer. There are times we need to ratchet it up a bunch. You see, because very often our prayer life is like this. Oh, God, help me. I messed up. I need you to fix what I made a mess of. 
Most people pray those kind of prayers rather quickly. But what we don't do is pray the other kinds of prayers that we should be praying so that we avoid those kind of prayers. God doesn't want everything in your life to be an emergency. He would like to bring some resources before it comes an emergency. Instead, we're kind of wondering, well, I don't, you know, I'll just let it go. And then whatever happens, I'll pray about it. If that's your prayer life, change the way you pray. Target some prayers towards the situation before it turns into a disaster. And so we need to supplicate. We need to get on our knees. We need to realize that God's God and you're not. Amen? And neither am I. I am not God. I don't know what he knows. I can't do what he does. I need to leave him who he is and what he is. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's great I am. He is El Shaddai. Amen? He's mighty God. I'm not mighty God. You need to leave God, God. And because he's God, hey God, I know you've got a heavenly, you know, fighter jet up there in the stratosphere someplace. Could you target the enemy? Because he's really wiping me out right here. He's trying to harm me. He's after my family. Instead of after your marriage falls apart, Lord, could you please change my wife? Maybe he wants to change you. Maybe he wants to change your job. Maybe he wants to do something about the situation. But if you're not on your knees, humbly beseeching the God who created you to do what only he can do, you will not have the resources available to you that you need. You need to supplicate. Remember who he is. You also need to intercede because there are people who are not praying for themselves. There are needs that are not being prayed for. How about the persecuted church? We have brothers and sisters all over the world that are not doing what we're doing right now. They're cowering someplace, hoping they're not killed before the end of the day. Are you interceding before the throne of grace for them? There are people in your neighborhood who do not know Jesus and they don't want to know Jesus. They couldn't care less about your God. They're not quite sure where they're going to get their next meal, maybe. You need to go to heaven for them and say, Lord, would you convict and convince? Would you provide? Would you do for them? You need to show them, Lord, how much you love them. You need to intercede for them, as Moses did for Joshua. Joshua was a dead man without Moses praying. That battle was lost without those resources called down from heaven. Are you interceding? And more than maybe all of these things in our country, because we live in such a wonderful place, Do we have problems? Yes, by the boatload. But relative to the rest of the world, we're beyond blessed. We have more than we need. We throw away in our trash what other people would kill for. Do you pray prayers of thanksgiving? You say, God... Thank you for what you've done and who you are and what you've given me. And may I never take this for granted. Amen. 
May, may I never wake up in the morning and say, whoa, poor me. Because amongst the least of us, we still have more than the best of the rest of the world. Are you thankful? Are you thanking God for what he's done in your life? We celebrated Veterans Day. Are you thankful that you live in the only truly free country on the face of the earth? Do we have problems? Yes. Do we have things that need to be fixed? Yes. But there is no place like this place. I've traveled all over the world. There is no place like this place. It does not exist. Are there beautiful places? Sure. But there's no place that's as free as this place. Are you thankful? Because not everybody's an American. Maybe shocked to some of us. Not everybody has what we have. And a lot of our brothers and sisters, they don't have a church building like this to meet in. They don't know what a sound system is. And if they had it, they'd have no plug to plug it into to even use it. Are you praying prayers of thanksgiving before our God? You see, as we look at these types of prayers, there's some keys to using each one of them. First and foremost is pray always, amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing, amen? That means all the time, every day. If you're driving down the freeway, folks, and you ain't praying, you're dead men walking. You're driving. It's like you need to be praying. You know, as I've gotten older, I, I can't turn my head as far as I used to. My blind spot used to be this big. Now it's the whole side of my car. And there's some folks in the L.A. area that like to go 100 miles an hour even though the cars are bumper to bumper. I, I need to be praying always because I got some blind spots, amen? I need to be praying about everything, every kind of prayer. You see, not just the things that make sense to us, the things that are obvious to us, but we need to be praying always and about everything with all kinds of different prayers. Maybe I've been interceding and I ought to be supplicating. Maybe I've been supplicating and God just wants to talk to me. I need to be a person of prayer. It needs to be a part of my life. And one of the great weaknesses, and this is just, we need to understand this. Are you praying in the Spirit? Are you trying to get God's will done on earth? Are you trying to tell Him what He should do? There's an awful lot of people's prayer life is me trying to boss God around. Like, Lord, you know I want that new car. God, surely, I am awesome. I deserve a new house. Give it to me. How about relationship? Oh, he's so cute. She is hot. That's got to be my wife. No, it don't. And you need to be praying in the spirit, not with just your eyeballs. Praying in the Spirit is you asking God for Him to accomplish His will on this earth in your life, not the other way around. Amen? You may find God actually doesn't want you to have that house because He knows that you're going to lose your job in three months. 
And you're over there going, ah, dirty, rotten God. I deserve that. I've been waiting. And, and as you're praying in the Spirit, you're saying, Lord, I don't even know how I'm supposed to pray right now. But I want you to transform my thought processes so I'm praying the right way. Because I sure don't want to pray for something I'm not supposed to have, not supposed to do, not supposed to be. God, you do for me what I cannot and will not do for myself. I need you to do it for me. So you tell me how I ought to pray. That is the picture of Romans 8, by the way. Likewise, the Spirit helps in my weakness. Man, do I have a weakness. I got blind spots, so do you. Pray for the Lord to keep an eye on your blind spots. And where you can't see, you let him see for you. Pray with your eyes open. Man, sometimes we're kind of lame in our prayer life, aren't we? You know, you're over there, your eyes closed, and you're just like, you know, and God's telling you, no, look, I need you to see something right here. Nehemiah's a picture of that, by the way. He's over there going on the wall with a sword in one hand, trowel in the other, praying all the while. He's working and talking to God at the same time. You can multitask, okay? God's okay with you driving and praying. He's okay with you talking to somebody and praying while you're talking to them. God is very okay with you seeking him always in all things at all times. You don't have to be in some position. You need to be in contact with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Remember that. Because if you just delegate your prayer life to some time that you spend in the morning, you are going to be devoid of the effect of prayer in your life. If the only time you pray pray is when you're in your prayer closet, there's a place for that, by the way. But if the only time you pray is in your prayer closet, you're going to spend about an hour of the day, okay, and you're going to spend about the rest of the time you're awake getting the tar beat out of you. The enemy's going to be punching on you, wailing on you. You need to be talking to God. He's going to be slapping you around. The enemy's going to come after you. You're going to, well, I've got to go to my prayer closet. Can't get there right now. So I'm just going to take the beat down. Talk to the Lord. Make sure that you're not letting the enemy get into the the world part of your life or the flesh part of your life. Because the devil's going to do it. He loves to get after us. Are, Are you willing to persevere in prayer? Are you willing to stick it out? Are you willing to be one of those warriors who keeps on praying? How many Christians do you know, maybe you've done this yourself, you've quit right before the Lord delivers a victory? Well, I'm not praying, they're just going to hell. I've had those experiences, people I'm praying for in my life, and you just give up on them. Well, you know, they're just going to keep going their own way. You know, I told them not to do drugs, told them not to be in that relationship. And all of a sudden you stop praying for them. You wonder why the enemy gets a foothold in their life. Maybe God was in their life working and you were praying and all of a sudden you just give up on them way before God gives up on them. You're sitting there saying, God, keep pounding, my friend. Holy Spirit, send the hounds of heaven after this guy, this gal. You keep talking to them, Lord. And I'm going to keep talking to you about talking to them until they get saved. Amen? You see, you see don't give up. 
It's easy to give up. It, man, is it easy to give up on some of the junk going on in our country? We look at our world, we're like, man, I'm just not praying about that anymore. They can just, well, they want it, they got it. Please don't do that. Keep praying for our Congress. Pray for our president. Pray for our senators. Pray for our legislature here in California. Pray for our governor. Keep on praying until there ain't nothing left to pray for. Don't just decide on your own that they're not worth praying for. Aren't you glad that somebody was praying for you when you came to Jesus? Amen? Get serious about it. While we're at it, pray for me. Pray for all the saints. That's all the saints all over the world. We need to pray for each other. Lift each other up. Sometimes we're just sitting there allowing the enemy to, to, to pound on somebody that's maybe, maybe a, someone that you know in this church and they're getting beat up and you're just kind of sitting back. Get engaged. Get in the fight. Take out this weapon and go to war. The enemy's already declared war on you. Declare war back. Say, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I'm not surrendering. You can forget it. Coming after you. As greater as he who's in me than he who's in this world. Amen? We need to pray like that. Sometimes we're like, well, you know, I think God could do it. If that's you, stop praying like that. You're messing stuff up for the rest of us. Seriously. I mean, think about it. Well, you know, maybe. There's no maybe with God. God is yes and amen. Amen? God has a perfect plan, a perfect will. Pray for it. Well, whatever happens. I don't want whatever happens. I want his will done in my life, this church's life, our lives collectively, this world as he already has foreseen it in heaven. It's already happening there, amen? Heaven's happening. Amen? It's a happening place. His will's already accomplished there. Fullness of joy, perfection. We want that here. So pray for it. Paul ends with a simple grace greeting. But that you also, verse 21 says, may know my affairs and how I am doing. You know, he writes this letter and he's writing it from prison. And he now says, hey, look, I'm doing great. <laughs> Most people don't write letters like that from prison. Prison food is horrible. The people I'm with, not good. Paul's not having any of that. I'm sending Tychius, a beloved brother, faithful minister in the Lord, to make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know my affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. In other words, he's going to tell you something that's going to actually comfort you even though I'm still in prison. When you have a prayer life like this, when you live a life like this, you, you've learned how to be a base, you've learned how to abound. And God can use you even if you're writing from a prison cell. Peace to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. You see, what he's really saying is, look, I'm sharing these things with you because I'm living them out. 
this is how I live my life. And, and I want you to know what God's been doing with me. And I want to pass it along to you. And, and this is the wonder of all of this. You're not in the battle alone. You're not in the battle alone. We're in this together. Amen? So it's you and me and it's us. It's your family, your friends. It's we as the body of Christ gathering together. Saying, Lord, look, we have you on our side. And and you and any of us is a majority against the enemy. The Lord alone is sufficient. But now add to it that that we're we're his army. We're his people. And brothers and sisters, we, we need to take this whole armor now and go wage some war. We need the sword of the Spirit. You need the Word of God. You need to know what it says because you, you can't effectively preach truth that you yourself don't have. That's why we study God's Word here. And then empower that Word with prayer. Take the truth of God and empower it with prayer to God. Get the address right. Talk to your Father in heaven and say, Lord, direct that power here. Here's the truth. I know it. I'm speaking it forth into that situation or that person's life. And as you pick up the defensive pieces that we've already seen, your waist, you are girded with truth. Your, your whole armor is held together with the truth of God's word. Your heart is covered in his righteousness, not yours, his. And so your heart's good. It's body armor like you can't believe. It's more than a bulletproof vest because it cannot be defeated. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You're good. You take your last breath here, you're saying, hello, Jesus. That's strength. That's security. And those shoes that are shod, you have have those gospel cleats on. You're digging in. No demonic lineman's pushing you off the line. You're standing. You can't be pushed back. Because the peace that you have comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're not going to backslide. You're going to stand firm. And that shield that, that you have that is your faith. God, the book of Hebrews reminds us that whatever is not of faith is actually for a believer sin. We need to put faith everywhere. That's why it can be added above all. Whether that attack comes from behind or in front or to the right or to the left or above or below, no matter where the attack comes from, You can add to everything else that you are in Christ, this incredible armor. You can add faith wherever it's needed. And here's the good news. You're going to get faith as a gift. God's going to gift you faith to believe and to carry on in the face of adversity. And then finally, that helmet, your mind secure in who you are in Christ. Brothers and sisters, family, that we would take this armor now and go wage some war. That the world needs what you have. Who you are in Christ makes you a victor. We're not fighting for a victory. We're fighting from the victory. We've already overcome. It's a done deal. You are absolutely assured 
that one day you're going to step out of time and into eternity, it's good. Go fight. Go battle. Go take some ground from the enemy. Don't allow him to push you back anymore. Be strong in the power of his might. Having therefore, Paul reminded us, done all to stand, stand. Stand. Put the armor on and go take some ground from the enemy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we draw our time to a close this day, we pray that you would just encourage us and strengthen us and build us up. Lord, pray that we wouldn't even think about getting out of bed before we put the armor on. Lord, give us that helmet. Give us those shoes of the gospel. Gird us with truth. Give us a shield of faith. Father, pray that that sword would be at the ready, that our prayer life would be amazing. And Lord, as we commit all these things to you, we ask that you give us purpose and meaning that we would indeed be as Paul was. Lord, even somewhat joyful that he was being used even in a prison. And so God, we thank you that how we are victors. We are conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him, through Jesus who loves us. So God, in that victory, in what's already been won for us, would we go out and, and wage war to see your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We bless you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord, for arming us so well. And may now we go out and fight as a mighty army. And so in the blessed name of Jesus, we pray these things. God's people all said, Amen. Amen. Amen.